Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. I strive to be an efficient worker when I can, so for that reason, I often give myself buffers of time. I like to stay a few episodes ahead of the curve so that I don't fall behind. Kingdom Hearts, Travis Strikes Again, and Mother 3 episodes, all recorded in advance so I could take care of some real-life responsibilities without depriving anyone of an episode, because that's just kind of how I like to work. But when you cue things in advance like that, it means you can't do too many hot-off-the-press reactions and things of that nature, at least not without reorganizing the schedule you've set for yourself, which is its own can of worms. What I'm trying to say is that Pokemon's eight-generation games, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, have been announced for Nintendo Switch. I have yet to give my thoughts about it, so what better time than right now? I acknowledge that some of this episode might be outdated by the time it actually airs, but this is meant to be a delayed reaction to the initial reveal, so the things that went through my mind when it was introduced to me, not my up-to-date entire thoughts ever. So it'd be sort of against the point to include too much of the information I learned in the intervening time anyway. I'm not sure when I pieced together that the region was based on the UK, and I, I guess possibly England since they're in the area, but they don't want to be part of the... You know what, this is about Pokemon. I think it's admirable that Pokemon keeps basing themselves off different countries in the more recent generations. Yeah, it's all put through a Pokemon filter, but it's nice to introduce kids to these foreign cultures while they're making a game. Maybe it would get them a little more interested in the world around them. Especially because Game Freak has been progressively better at emphasizing the culture with each generation. Unova was meant to be the United States, but it was really just New York City, and that's only really present in Castilia City's skyline. The Kalos region, they just put the Eiffel Tower in, threw in some French-sounding words and names, and I, I guess a bunch of cafes. Otherwise, they don't do a lot that Unova didn't do. Well, I guess there's also the fashion thing, but... It, it, it was very, very surface-level France. Then in Alola, they started trying to get into it a bit more by mixing up the formula and making a whole cultural lore behind why you're doing everything you're doing. I'm really ready to see how they handle this new region. Though, personally, I was hoping for an Australian region due to the unique wildlife, or maybe even a Brazilian region given all the history Japan has with Brazil. But the internet has wasted no time in having fun with a UK Pokemon region, if all those memes of the girl Pokemon trainer as an angry Scotswoman are any indication. Oh, people love the girl trainer. I gotta admit, it's a cute design. I've already seen a few cosplays of it and lots of fan art. Poor boy trainer, though. He's almost nothing. Him and his giant carrying case, they need more love. Credit to the art team for giving the boy trainer a color other than blue, at least. Red's my favorite color, so bonus points for that. He's not as memorable, but he's got a quirky design. So overall, I think both the trainers are at least good. None of this matters too much, though, because I suspect we'll be given the ability to customize their fashion again. Just please let the boy trainer have more cool outfits, too. It's actually fun. I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my masculinity to admit that fashion can be fun with male characters.
Unsurprisingly, the first Pokemon we see in the trailer is Pikachu. I think if there's a Pokemon game where Pikachu isn't readily available, or at least mentioned, then someone at Game Freak gets taken out back and executed. Even in Pokemon Black and White, when only Unova Pokemon were available at first, Pikachu still had a cameo. But speaking of all those games, we see right away that we will be encountering old Pokemon along with the new. We've actually only seen old Pokemon, none of the new ones except the starters. So it seems that we're not going to repeat what Generation 5 did with only new Pokemon until the post-game. If I could be entirely honest, I miss that. I think it was really unique when Black and White did that. I liked it when that happened. I always want them to do it again, but I know that people would rather play with some of their old favorites. They've been consistently not doing that ever since, well, as far back as Black and White 2. Not that I blame them. At the very least, this might be my first chance to train a Pikachu, other than the cosplay Pikachu in Omega Ruby. I never used that. Did you know Cosplay Pikachu is a girl? You can tell by the shape of her- Okay, I, I couldn't help myself. Actually, now that I think of it, wasn't there early Pikachu in X and Y? I don't know. I'm- I, I like Pokemon. I don't love it enough to commit all of it to memory. <laughs> the trailer showed some cool environments in Sword and Shield, and that's something I don't praise in the Pokemon games very often. But being on the Switch is really going to do wonders. Even looking at the map, I can't help but wonder how these areas are going to play out. Like that dragon fortress thing, or even the weird forest area with, I think, a gingerbread house in it somewhere. It also occurs to me that this will be the first entry since Generation 3 to have all the action being on one screen instead of two. It makes me worry about how cluttered everything might get on the screen, but I believe Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee could be played on handheld mode meaning one screen, so Game Freak is probably not afraid to go back. Going back to the subject of environments, there's that bit where the protagonist walks into a stadium in some kind of soccer gear or something, or maybe I should say football since it's European. I don't know what that whole scene is about, though. I've heard the term gym master thrown around. I think that might have been in a deleted tweet. It makes me think we're going back to the gym format, but with a twist. To be honest, I liked the Trial and Kahuna system in Sun and Moon a lot, even if it was functionally very similar to the gyms. And after the gym leaders in Black and White, the ones in X and Y were a huge letdown for me. So I'm hoping they can keep things interesting here. So far, ever since I've joined the series, I seem to prefer the odd number generations over the even ones. And then the next part of the trailer is the starter Pokemon. I find it neat that they show off the fire one first, then water, then grass. I don't remember how it was in past generations, but I usually expect them in grass, fire, water order. Fire one this time is a little bunny named Scorbunny, and he's just adorable. I've come to appreciate rabbits more in the last few months, and fire has always been one of my favorite types, so I can easily see myself picking this one. I've played every mainline entry since Platinum, and to go along with that, I've unintentionally done two of every type of starter in sequence. Platinum and Heartcold? Pick the fire one. Black and Black 2? Grass. I went for water in Y, then I noticed the pattern and picked Mudkip in Omega Ruby. Finally, in Moon and Ultra Moon, I broke the cycle. I wouldn't mind using any of these starters from their first appearance, but 
it's the evolved forms we're stuck with, so I gotta see how those play out. If I'm not still attached to Scorbunny, that is. Our water boy is Sobble, the water chameleon thing, and Grookey, the little monkey fella, is the grass starter. We haven't seen any legendaries so far. They're usually some of the first ones we're introduced to. I'm surprised we didn't see any, to be honest. I'm guessing that whatever they are this time, they might be Lupin in nature, or Lupine, Lupin, Lupin, they might be wolves, because the Sword and Shield logo have wolf heads attached. We just got a wolf Pokemon in the last generation, but I'm not going to complain too much. We still need a dolphin, though. That's got to be the, the biggest animal to not be included yet in Pokemon, unless we count Kyogre, and I don't. It's after this part, at the very end of the trailer, that the names Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield are revealed to us. I think it was one or two generations ago when I realized that they're never going to run out of names for these. Just as long as they find two opposite, complementary things and put them together. Stay tuned for Pokemon Sight and Pokemon Sound in the late 2020s. Joking aside, I think the names are fine. I'm not sure which one I'll buy just yet. Normally, I go for the first version of a game, unless I have some reason not to. Xerneas creeps me out a little bit, so I went for Pokemon Y. D don't ask me Don't ask me why I think Xerneas is creepy, it just kind of is to me. I think it's those antlers. It's just so big. Also, I play Pokemon at night more often than Pokemon at day, so I wanted to experience the daylight in... Pokemon Moon and Ultra Moon. Not sure how Sword and Shield will go. I, I I guess I could go for Sword first, and then change my mind to Shield later. I don't know, Shield, I think that's the red one, though. I, I like red. Oh, it's kind of a backwards of the red and blue and ruby sapphire thing. It, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. These games are slated for late 2019, so later this year. They usually release late in the year. And I can see they're doing the whole Smash Brothers Ultimate thing, where it's like, like, oh, here's a new game we weren't talking about later this year. Have at it. Sword and Shield were revealed in a seven-minute Nintendo Direct early in the morning. I like Pokemon, but not enough to wake up hours ahead of schedule just to watch seven minutes. They didn't even talk about any other games. A little presumptuous to think that they're just so big that only Sword and Shield would be enough to justify it, but, uh, they're absolutely right. <laughs> just look at how lucrative Pokemon is and how much attention each new entry gets. Look at all the memes about the Scottish Pokemon trainer, like I said. So yeah, I don't really blame them for that. Doesn't mean I'm gonna watch the live direct, though. <laughs> In the informational portion of the direct, they did reveal the region's name is Galar. Galar. One of those two. I thought it was mildly interesting because it's the first time an English name for a region doesn't have the long O sound. Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, Sinnoh, Unova, Kalos, Alola, Galar. I only think about that because someone pointed out how the Unova region had a different name in the Japanese translation that got rid of the O sound, so I don't know if that was really a coincidence or not. Oh, Alola had to be on purpose, though. That just sounds too much like Aloha. They even use it like Aloha. 
Anyway, the game, or the games, the new generation is pretty neat, I think. I don't see a reason for a veteran Pokemon player to miss out on it. I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on this whole thing. In fact, maybe I'll even know more about the game by the time this episode airs. A lot can happen in two or three weeks. But again, this is just my belated first impressions. If I could think about what it is I want in the new generation, I would be at a loss. The series is really inconsistent with what features they keep and what ones they don't. Usually it's a lot of the side modes and post-game things, like the Pokemon World Tournament, or the Battle Frontier and stuff, or gimmicky types of battles. Those are all kind of cool, but they never really stick around. There are little quality-of-life changes that stick around, like the removal of HMs, or, well, the removal of TMs being one use. I, I hope that HMs remain removed, because that was just kind of a waste of time. Uh, another thing is that double battles are some of the only gimmick battles, I think, that really stayed. Every other battle variation gets introduced and then dropped. Double battles, though, those stick around. Another thing is the physical and special split they did as of the third or fourth generation. That's a change that stuck. So... The bottom line is, they do a lot of things that they eventually drop right away, then they do things that they introduce, but then kind of drop and hide it behind the post-game and stuff, like Mega Evolutions. I don't really know what to expect other than the main game, is what I'm trying to say. I just... Again, I really hope they keep HMs out of this. I think the Pokemon pager they used in the 7th generation was brilliant. I'd also like to see some returning characters. The Pokemon games have been getting better about letting past characters show up. Especially Looker. Cynthia used to be the character they kept bringing back, but now it's Looker. He's been in every game since Platinum, with the sole exception of Black and White 2. Really, I just want to see Guzma again, though. He's my boy. I miss Guzma. I need to see more of him. I need to see what he's up to, what he's made of himself. Another thing I'd like to see is more of the regional variants. But after what happened with Mega Pokemon, there's no telling. I think it would be a cool idea to do Galar forms of maybe Johto Pokemon. But Alola is kind of far away from everyone else, so it makes a bit more sense to have regional variants, and Sun and Moon were kind of anniversary games, and they just used them all on Generation 1 Pokemon. So, I, I think what I'm about to get into is a thing that rubs me wrong about Pokemon in recent times is the blatant favoritism of Generation 1's roster. I get it, I really do. They're far and wide the most recognizable Pokemon, but I'm just tired of it. <laughs> I, I get it, they're the 150, 151, but I want to see some of the later ones get some love. They do this to attract people who are only barely familiar with Pokemon, thereby only familiar with the iconic Gen 1 roster. But come on, throw a bone to some of the seasoned veterans too. 
Like how in Smash Brothers Ultimate, every new Pokemon summon was either from Alola or Kanto. Really, keep that really that casual level of Pokemon recognition. I don't mean to sound like I'm gatekeeping here, but I don't think it's asking for the moon to just show a nod to some of the Johto creatures, or the Hoenn ones, or the Sinnoh ones. And that's more or less my first impressions of Generation 8 of Pokemon. Since I hopped in around the time of Platinum, that means I've been on this train for almost a little over half the existence of Pokemon. It's pretty wild for me to imagine. I'm definitely going to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield more on the show when I get the chance. I'm really looking forward to seeing which version of the game I might get, which version of the starter I would play as. Again, I'm on the Score Bunny squad right now. Rabbits, fire, winning combination for me. You know, I really... As much as I say I like rabbits, I could never take care of a rabbit. Do you know how much work goes into keeping a rabbit alive? Ugh. This is also the second time we've had a monkey starter. Now that I think of it, we had Chimchar in the Sinnoh games. Now we have a grass starter monkey. Now I guess we're going to have a water starter monkey at some point. You know, someone's actually pointed this out. A few people pointed this out that a lot of the fire starters so far correspond to the Eastern Zodiac, and that's pretty cool. I don't think it perfectly lines up. There's some that are still missing, and you could also turn to Arcanine for a fire dog, because we don't really have a proper fire dog. We also don't have a fire fox on the Zodiac. We don't have any foxes there, but we have a fire fox starter, so... I'm imagining that it's really just a coincidence that the fire starters correspond that way. I know that Infernape and Embor, I think, was the fifth one. I think they're supposed to be part of the same reference, but otherwise. Also, I guess, while we're on fire starters, gotta talk about how a lot of people are worried Score Bunny is gonna be fire fighting, and maybe I'll have to eat crow when I say this, but. Currently, and based on my first impressions, I don't think that's going to happen. They've had a Fire Psychic and a Fire Dark since the three firefightings in a row. I think they've realized they're not going to they're not going to be too happy with them if they keep making firefighting starters. But if I could be entirely honest, I wouldn't mind. I like fire type, I like fighting type. Put them both together, it's perfect for me. But that's enough talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield for now. Keep up on the BitCast's Twitter page of the same name as the show, and keep up on Podcast One's website, mobile app, and on iTunes to stay up to date with the show so you can always know what I'm saying if that strikes your fancy. You'll be able to hear more episodes as they come out, and you'll get to hear eventually what I'm going to have to say about Pokemon Sword and Shield once they actually do come out. And with that, I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.